Okay, we're continuing our study through the Gospel of John this morning. Uh, let's read this morning from verse 12, John 3, verse 12. We're going to read through verse 21. And uh, then looking, really looking at the last half of that section this morning. So John chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth, not on, believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to learn, to sing, to praise your name. And to hear your word. This morning as we set our eyes on Jesus Christ, open our hearts, our minds, as believers draw us closer to your heart. Lord, if there's those who have yet to believe here this morning, we pray that you would open their eyes to see the truth and draw them to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've taken our time through this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus in John 3, spending a few weeks through here. And I suspect, given how difficult and how different this conversation was for Nicodemus, I suspect it probably took them quite a long time to make their way through too. Nicodemus probably had many questions to clarify things and explanations that Jesus gave. But John includes this conversation here in because it's, it's a conversation which gives us uh, so much depth, so much important information about what it is to believe Jesus and why Jesus came. We're told in a way that it's easy to understand, but it also draws us to know more. Now, as we come to our text this morning, which is going to be verse 17 through verse 21... Uh, yeah, you may have uh, in your lap there a red letter Bible, perhaps, which puts the words of Jesus in red. Uh, this section here in verse 16 through 21, scholars are a little unsure if these are the words of Jesus particularly or if it's John making comment on the words of Jesus here. And the, the fact that it's a little ambiguous there and whether Jesus actually said these words or whether John is explaining the words of Jesus, I think is a wonderfully beautiful mark of this gospel. I find it beautiful because John has so deeply learned from Jesus that at this point it's almost impossible to tell where the words of the master end and the disciple begins. He has learned so deeply, has come to love God so fully. He is a true disciple, and I pray the this type of disciple might be what describes me 
and describes us, that it is hard to find where the master ends and the disciple begins. But here Jesus continues, and whether these are the actual words of Jesus or John explaining the words of Jesus, what we do know for certain is they are the inspired words of God through the Spirit to teach us divine truth. Our verses this morning begin in verse 17, because we looked at verse 16 last week, where it begins, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. That for at the beginning of verse 17 is there to explain to us the word gave in verse 13. Why did the loving God give his son? And as we continue to see through this gospel, as it expands and teaches us about why Jesus came, we learn that that idea of why God gave tells us something about God and also something about ourselves. And so we want to think about this as we look through this passage, this description of what Jesus came to do, as we talk about revealing a great Savior. As we read just a moment ago, our text begins, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came, and as he came to reveal himself and God, he came, and he came to the guilty. He came to the guilty. It tells us at the beginning of verse 17 that he didn't come to condemn or to judge those that are in this world. Again, we come to a statement that is opposite to what much of the world believes. We saw it last week as we considered John 3.16, that many don't believe that God is love. We talked about that and explained and saw that God is indeed love. And the same is true as we come here to verse 17, where it says that he didn't come to condemn the world. Because if you were asked to ask many to describe Christianity, many in their descriptions of Christianity or Christians would say that we are and that Christianity is judgmental. And that we judge people. But here we're told that Jesus didn't come to condemn, that he didn't come to judge the world. Now, don't misunderstand what John is saying here or Jesus is explaining here. That doesn't mean that Jesus couldn't come to judge. And it doesn't mean that he won't come to judge. What it means is here he has not come to judge at this time. This was a time for something different. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5 kind of give us an illustration of that when it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son to redeem them that were under the law. They might receive the adoption of children, of sons. So John 3.16 taught us that God isn't this cruel, vindictive, angry uh, overlord of of an ogre but that he is loving. He didn't come to rub our wickedness in our face and just show us how evil and awful and terrible we are so that we would feel awful about ourselves. Remember, we preach the gospel. This is what we we are reading here, the, the gospel, which is good news. Good news. The gospel is good news, and our calling is to present that good news in a biblically balanced way to show why Jesus came in its 
fullness in its greatness. Because in the coming of Jesus, even though he didn't come with the purpose to condemn or to judge us, he reveals that we are already condemned. We are already condemned. We're told that Jesus didn't come to condemn because we are condemned. We are already there. That is our state. Condemned already. The, uh, already can mean uh, from the beginning or before now. So before Jesus entered the world, from the beginning, we were already condemned. That's our state. And as we've seen over and over in the Gospel of John uh, already, our natural rebellion against God is what condemns us. That we refuse to listen, to obey, to follow who he is, to submit to him as God. Condemnation isn't a problem because Jesus came into the world. Condemnation is a problem that we already have. It was already there. One of the reasons so many find Jesus or Christianity judgmental isn't because we're being judgmental, but because Jesus makes our sin clear to us. That we see clearly, he exposes to us what is the truth already present. He came to the guilty that we might be saved. The difference between the believer and the unbeliever is not guilt. So it's not guilt that separates someone who then believes in Christ or someone who doesn't, because before God, we are all guilty. We stand before God in our natural state, all guilty, no matter where we are, no matter what our place is. Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, what then? Are we better than they? Or you're speaking and comparing the Gentiles and, and the, the Jews and the Jews thinking they're better than the, the Gentiles because they're godly. Are we better than they? No. There is nothing that makes us stand better before God. Jesus didn't come because some of us were worthy. He didn't come because some of us were good or righteous. In Luke, Jesus tells us, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He came because none of us are righteous. None of us. He came because our guilt condemns all of us. That verse that so many of us are familiar with, in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what he came to do was he came to free from condemnation, he came to free us from that judgment, not to condemn us because we were already there, but to give us the opportunity to be free, to save us from that condemnation, to save us from the judgment that comes because of our rebellion against God. Again, perhaps a verse many of us are familiar with, for the wages or the, the debt, the payment of sin is death. This is the wonderful love of Jesus, that he is long-suffering to us in this world. He is long-suffering to us. Could Jesus have come in judgment? Could he have come at this time in judgment and, and brought down his wrath and, and condemned us all to hell at that moment and still be considered righteous? Yes. Yes, he could. He was under no obligation to save any of us. We live as rebels against God. 
But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And as we saw in John 3.16, he made a decision, a choice in eternity past in that love to show that love by giving his son to pay the debt, to provide salvation for the condemnation or from the condemnation. Jesus came so that Romans 8 verse 1 could be a reality in the lives of people. That is, whereas here he says that we're already condemned, Paul says that in Christ there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. You are already condemned because of your sin. Jesus came to free you from that condemnation. He came to the guilty that we might be saved through him. This is the simple uh, progress of verse 17 here. I haven't tried to be fancy with my outline, but follow the very words of, of uh, the text here in verse 17. He came to the guilty that, he might, that we might be saved through him. That is, Jesus is the way. He is the way out of condemnation and into life. He is the key to that freedom. Like Nicodemus did in his, his uh, deep Jewishness, many believe I can escape God's wrath based on who I am. I'm a Jew, if it's Nicodemus or whatever, that is, I'm God's chosen. Or uh, for Nicodemus, I'm a Pharisee, that is, I'm a good, moral, religious person. So many people think that, that that's the way that we can find uh, escape from God's wrath is based in who I am, if I'm good and righteous and, or, or moral in the way I act, or if I was born into the right place or the right family or the right church, that that will be enough. The list, in fact, is, is endless of the things that we think make us acceptable to God. Put something out there, we'll have an excuse or a reason to say that makes me acceptable before God. But remember, what Jesus has been telling us and telling Nicodemus through uh, John chapter 3 is this, this odd new concept that we must be born again. That is, what you are now is not enough. No matter what it is, what you are now is not enough. It is not enough to get you into God's kingdom. It is not enough to save you from the wrath of God, you need to become something that you are not. And this is what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus and that we must be born again. The only way that that can happen is through Jesus. And that is why Jesus came. If the entrance into heaven was by anything you could do or anything that you could be, there is no reason for Jesus to come. His purpose here on earth would then be empty and wasted. But Jesus came because he is the only way to save you from perishing. Remember, perishing is to, to be in destruction, to be in emptiness. Part of God's love is that Jesus came. If he didn't come, we wouldn't ever find salvation. In our rebellion, in our sin, that condemns us. We're not looking for Jesus. Paul reminds us of that even uh, by quoting the Old Testament and reminding us that there is none that seek after God. Like We're not looking for him. Despite what, what so many of us want to think, and so many, nobody is looking for God. 
on their own. He reminds us again in in Romans 3 that, that in our natural state, there is no fear of God in our eyes. We, we don't care what God thinks naturally. Which is why G- Luke reminds us of the words of Jesus in Luke 19. He came to seek and to save the lost. Because we weren't looking for him, we're wandering astray. He came to seek us. Jesus came to us so that we could come to God. If Jesus is the way, we're told here that Jesus must be believed. I said before that the difference between the believer and the unbeliever isn't guilt. We both stand before God guilty. We are both guilty. The difference between the believer and the unbeliever is the attitude towards Jesus. What we do in response to Jesus. Those who believe Jesus find freedom and condemnation from that guilt. Those who don't remain condemned what does it mean to believe in jesus jesus gave us a a small glimpse into that in verse 14 as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life believe that jesus was lifted up on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin That is, that he endured the judgment of my condemnation. He paid that debt. Believe that I deserve what Jesus got. That it was my fault that I'm the guilty one. And recognize that unlike Jesus, and his death was completely satisfying. My death wouldn't be. I have not got anything enough in me where my death as a judgment is going to bring the satisfaction to God for the debt that I owe. It's far too great. But Jesus' death completely satisfied and so he was raised to life again. So we come back to the very reason John wrote this gospel. He told us in the end, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. Nothing else can change the state of your condemnation but Jesus. And while his coming reveals a great Savior, one who has come to save us and deliver us out of judgment, we find also in these verses that he exposes a great truth. Verse 19 continues, and this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. The things that we're reminded of, and this this is one of those great imageries in the Gospel of John, that dark and light imagery that he loves. Jesus is the light. John 1 verse 9, we're told again that Jesus came into the world as light and he comes into the, the world as light and he exposes who we are and he reveals who God is in that light. And by coming, he reveals God to us. Every one of us, as we look at Jesus, can see the truth of God, that he exists, 
that he has come to save. We are all held accountable for our response to the light. There is no denying the light has come. The truth of scripture is brutal. As we read in these verses, in verses 19 and 20, it's brutal. He tells us right there, we are not innocent. Like, I don't, have a, I don't have an excuse before God to say, ah, I didn't know. Or, no, it, it wasn't me, or I'm not as bad as I think. He, he's, he's brutal, isn't he? And this is the condemnation, that light came into the world, and men loved darkness. And then in verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Like, those aren't dilly-dally, wishy-washy words. That's brutal. Right? The reason I don't believe Jesus is I hate him. And whether I want to believe that or not, that's the reality of where we all stand before God in our natural state without the work of God in our life. You don't reject Jesus because you don't know enough. You aren't condemned unjustly because you were ill-informed. You love darkness. That is, living in rebellion to God. You aren't just indifferent to God, but hateful. See, condemnation isn't reserved for those who outwardly appear rebellious. Condemnation isn't for the atheists or the comedians who openly mock God. Condemnation isn't reserved for those that appear to us on the outside to be rebellious. Condemnation, rebellion, is often seen in our own passivity. I don't need Jesus. Jesus doesn't really matter. Jesus couldn't really refuse anyone, could he? What seems to us to be indifference, passivity, is active rejection of Jesus. And while some reject the light, we also find that some rejoice in the light. They recognize the truth of what the light of Christ reveals. Their eyes are opened by God to see the reality of our sin and the beauty of our Savior. And like a moth drawn to light, so we are drawn to the light of the world. Light reveals to us not just our wickedness, but it illuminates to us the way of escape. So instead of hiding in the shadows, we walk into the light and we believe. We believe the truth that we see of Jesus Christ We are guided in the light and we are warmed by the love of the light. And perhaps today that is you. Perhaps today that light is shining into your life. Perhaps like like John Wesley, you feel your heart strangely warmed as the gospel slowly begins to make sense to you as your eyes become open. If that is you, I invite you to come into the light, to believe Jesus to save you from sin and condemnation. Because as as he exposes a great truth that he is a light, it also exposes our heart. The light exposes our heart, the wickedness of our sin. 
Why do some reject and some rejoice in Jesus? Well, the depths of that question we will answer even more so as we go through John, because John deals with that question quite prominently through his gospel. And so this will unfold more and more as we make our way through John. But why do some reject and some expose? To begin with, we see here that Jesus exposes us for who we truly are. When light comes into the world, he shows us the reality of our nature. He reveals the wickedness that lives within us. That is our selfishness and our pride. For too many, the love of self is our downfall. We enjoy our vices. We enjoy our pleasures. We enjoy the things of our rebellion. And because Jesus exposes the wickedness of our selfishness, we despise him. We also see not only the wickedness of our heart, but we see the work of God. But he, verse 21, that does the truth, comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought or worked in or of God. For those that come to Jesus, those who see the light and have their eyes open to see the beauty of Jesus Christ as Savior from sin, life is different. We're not afraid of what the light exposes. We're not afraid of of what the light shows in our life and how it exposes who we are. Firstly, because the sin that it exposes in our life we know is forgiven. And secondly, God begins a work in us that changes us and makes us more like Christ. The light shines into our life. We see that God is working, that God is forgiving, that God is is loving and changing us as we pursue him in the light. The world looks at us and calls us self-righteous, judgmental hypocrites. But we know that the change in our life isn't our doing. We don't stand before the world as righteous people on our own. We stand before the world knowing that what the light exposes and what God is doing in our life is indeed the work of God, not my own. So while the light exposes our life and to some they see it as judgmental, to us we know that it is the great work of God in changing us, forgiving us. As Paul says to the church Colossae, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Or the verses we read this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, those words we know so often in verse 8 and 9, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast But of course, he continues in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We come to the light because of a work of God and in the light of Christ, he continues that work within us. Jesus, Jesus didn't come to judge you. Jesus came to save you from judgment. There is no reason 
that God should not judge us now. He has every right to do so, and he would still be completely holy and completely righteous to do exactly that. Except in his goodness and in his righteousness and in his justice to show love by saving a people for himself. Today is an opportunity to stop hiding from the light, to come into the light and find forgiveness, joy and peace. Everyone who believes Jesus is free from condemnation. Believe what Jesus did for us. He will forgive of our rebellion, of our sin, and transfer us out of his wrath and into his great love. Believer, the glory of God is seen in saving you from what you deserve. There is no difference between us and the unbeliever, except God has showed grace, has showed us his mercy in us because our eyes have been opened to see the truth of Jesus Christ as Savior. We have believed him, found forgiveness and strength, and in that is the glory of God that he saves some for himself. So rejoice in the light. Give glory to God and reflect his light in this world. Is living for God going to cause offense? Is it going to cause people to look at you and say you're judgmental? You're self-righteous. Yes, it is. People are going to look at us as we live for God and as God does his work in our life and changes us and molds us to be more like Christ, to be more pure, to be more righteous. But living for God is also going to be a light of the gospel to show what Jesus Christ can do and does do in a life when we believe him. Jesus didn't come to condemn at this time, but to offer us a way to escape condemnation. And to God be the glory, many of us have believed that. Maybe this morning you're one who has yet to believe or who doesn't believe Jesus. Maybe you're struggling in your rebellion and sin. Maybe you're hiding from the light. And maybe this morning that light is beginning to shine through and you're beginning to see. Maybe it's warming if you want to know more, if you want to know who this Jesus is, if you want to believe this Jesus for forgiveness, then please come come see me. I'm not going to do a big altar call this morning and have you come forward, but you can come see me at any time. Or turn to the person next to you and say, do you know Jesus? Can you help me understand who Jesus is? I have more questions. Don't leave this morning without having some of those questions answered. Let's pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, to be reminded, at least for many of us, of the great love that you have shown us by freeing us from condemnation. May our lives be lived in the light to display the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that others may know the beauty of of your salvation, that they may see the truth in the light 
and not hide from it in the darkness of their sin and hatred. We pray these things in Jesus' name.